Today, we're going to continue the Unstoppable series by talking about unstoppable faith. And to do that, we want to look at the life of Abraham. And if you want to, you can turn to page 26 in your Unstoppable book, and there's some places to take notes there, or you can take notes on the uh, insert in your bulletin that will help you to do that. But we want to look at the life of Abraham, and Abraham is a pretty important person in the Bible. If you know what the Bible says about him, you probably already know that he was the father of the Jewish race and the father of our faith. But you may not know that early in his life, he wasn't some super spiritual priest or some desert monk. In fact, he probably spent some time in his life worshiping multiple gods. And he did that before he made the decision to worship the one and only true God. But did you know that Abraham was also the first person to give 10% as a gift? That is called tithing in the Bible. Tithe means 10%. And according to Genesis 14, Abraham gives 10% of everything to Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was both a priest and was the king of Salem. Salem means peace, so he was the king of peace. And he has some really cool similarities to Jesus in the Bible. And you might want to read in your Bible later about Melchizedek and see what you think about that because it's a pretty cool story. But Abraham starts this thing called tithing by giving 10% to Melchizedek. And sometimes here at Impact, when we teach that giving 10% or giving a tithe of your income is the starting place for followers of Jesus in regards to giving, people push back on that a little bit. Sometimes people disagree with us or they push back on that. They'll say things like tithing is an Old Testament thing and it was part of the law and after all, we don't live under the law, we live under grace. And um, here's the interesting thing. Abraham started this practice of giving 10% years before the law was ever given. In fact, he gave it years before his grandson Israel established the nation of Israel. There was no law at this time. And so this isn't part of the law. It predates the law. And by the way, Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 23, that we should give a tithe. So it's also a New Testament thing. But here's the thing. Many honestly don't believe that they can afford to give 10%, or they think that asking for 10% is too much. And so let's take this out of the realm of money for a while, and let's talk about it differently. Let's talk about it in regard to fruit, okay? I have brought some stuff with me today, and we're just going to have some fun. I'm going to warn the people in the front rows that we may launch some fruit at you. I don't know. But um, let's start with these blackberries, because I really like blackberries, okay? So I've got 10 blackberries here in my hand. Tithing means one goes to God and nine goes to me. Now, that's pretty hard to see. So let's try strawberries. One goes to God, nine go to me, okay? Still kind of hard to see. So let's go with apples, 
Okay? One goes to God. Nine go to me. Okay? We need some color up here, don't we? It'll be better for the video. So let's go with lemons. Okay? Because sometimes life gives you lemons, right? One goes to God. Nine go to me. Sometimes all over the stage. Okay, how about oranges? Okay. One to God, nine to me. These are what I launched in, when I was rehearsing this. So. Okay, we still need some color, so let's go with bananas. Okay. One to God, nine to me. Yeah, we'll try not to step on that later. How about cantaloupe? Okay. One to God. I'm not going to pour these out. I'm going to set them out. You're welcome, Denise, in the front row. You got it. One to God, nine to me. We're getting there. Those bananas just want to flee the scene. Okay. How about watermelon? All I could find was these little ones. And I do not have 10 watermelons down there. And we're not going to cut this one up. So we'll just forget that. Now here's the thing. Are you telling me that this is too much to ask when God lets us keep all of this? Are you really saying that? Are you really saying this is too much for God to ask for? When we do this, that this would be too much for us to commit when we get to keep all of this? Are you really saying that you can't afford to live on this and give this? Here's the thing. Some of you may actually be saying that. You might honestly be saying, I really can't afford to give 10%. You know why? Because you spent all of this and then you committed yourself to using some of this to pay credit card bills and car payments and other things. And if that's you, if that's where you are right now, I really want you to lean into this teaching series and to listen more closely because it isn't going to get any better for you financially until you have an unstoppable faith and begin doing things, finances and other things, God's way. You've got to begin doing things God's way. And that's why we're going to use Abraham when we talk about this unstoppable faith when we talk about unstoppable faith, and we're going to talk about Abraham because of what the Bible says about him. Look at this verse from Genesis chapter 15. Abram, who was later called Abraham, believed the Lord, and the Lord accepted Abram's faith, and that faith made him right with God. The Bible doesn't tell us this about Abraham just once. It says it over and over and over 
again. And it's really clear. In fact, if you look at the other three passages that I've listed there in your notes, you will see that it's almost an exact quote of what we just read from Genesis chapter 15. And so this must be pretty important. When the Bible repeats something several times, it's a pretty important concept in Scripture. And Abraham believed the Lord, or Abraham believed God. And I have told you before, there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. There's a difference between believing in him and believing him. To believe God, you have to believe in God. But many people who believe in God don't believe God. They've not gotten to that place yet. I mean, the Bible tells us that even Satan and all of the demons believe in God. Many people in our world believe in God, but they don't believe God. Believing in God is a type of faith, but unstoppable faith means believing God. Today, I want to use the life of Abraham to challenge each of us to develop unstoppable faith that believes God. And in our growth groups this week, we will be looking at the story of Abraham in detail, and you can find his entire life story in Genesis chapter 11 through chapter 25. It's a lot of chapters of the Bible. And since we'll be looking at a lot of verses from Genesis in our growth groups, today I want to use primarily a passage that we'll also use in our growth group, but it summarizes the life of Abraham. Hebrews 11 tells us about Abraham's unstoppable faith in God. And I want you to notice several things. First, I want you to notice unstoppable faith follows him to new places, Unstoppable faith follows God to new places. Look at these verses from Hebrews 11. I'll start with verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham began his life of faith with a road trip. With a road trip. At the time that God called him, Abraham lived in a city called Ur of Chaldees. Now, Ur was a thriving city, and it was most likely located near the present-day Baghdad, Iraq. That's where he was. And Abraham uh, and his family were apparently wealthy, and they were apparently very influential there. God shows up one day, and he tells Abraham, I want you to leave your country and your people and your father's house. I want you to leave all of this and I will bless you with many descendants, and I will make you a great nation. And when Abraham heard this, he probably had lots of questions about what God was saying to him. I mean, he wondered, for example, how God would make him a great nation with many descendants when he didn't have a son because his wife was barren. He had to assume that if God was going to make him a great nation, that God would give him 
a son. And also that if God was going to make him a great nation, that God would give him land. But God's conversation to Abraham was full of requests, and it was full of promises, but it was really short on details. And some of us really like details, don't we? But God's conversation with Abraham was short on details. Let me summarize the conversation. God says, Abraham, I am going to send you out. And Abraham says, great, where? And God says, I'll tell you later, just go. And God says, Abraham, I am going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you land. And Abraham says, cool, where? And God says, I'll tell you later, just wander. And then God says, Abraham, I will give you a child. And Abraham says, how? And God says, I'll tell you later, just wait. Just wait. And with so few details, with so many mysteries that he didn't understand, you know what Abraham did? Well, Genesis 12, verse 4 says simply, Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And the Hebrews passage says, he obeyed and went. He obeyed and went. In fact, the original language implies that Abraham literally packed his bags right then when God told him to go and left right away. He left everything that he knew, everything that he was comfortable with, and he headed out of town, and he did it just because God told him to. Just because God told him to. He hit the road even though he didn't know where he was going, and God was taking him to a totally new place. You see, understand this. God wasn't calling Abraham to make God a little bit bigger part of his life. He wasn't calling Abraham just to tweak some things about their relationship with him. God was calling him to a whole new life. God was calling him to a whole new foundation for his life, and that whole foundation was going to change. No longer would he find security in what he had, and he had quite a bit. No longer would he find security in being able to provide for himself, and he could. And no longer would he find comfort in family and what he knew because God was removing him from everything that he knew. Now God was saying, get out and go and trust me. No longer would Abraham be consumed with building his own little kingdom and his own little career. Now he would build God's kingdom. Now don't miss this for your life. Don't miss the implications for your life. Trusting and following God isn't just adding a little more of God to your life. He wants to take you to new places. He wants you to trust him totally differently. He wants all or nothing. It's a revolution of your soul. It is a call to live for a new kingdom with a new security in new ways and in new places, often places we can't even see. Places we can't even see. Now let me ask you, what would it take for you to believe God that much? What would it take for you to believe God that much? 
much. Abraham believed God with this unstoppable faith and he left everything. That's a huge commitment. He had to depend on God. And if you and I are going to have unstoppable faith, then the commitment that we make can't be safe. It can't be easy. If it is safe, if it is easy, then we don't need God. We don't need God. Unstoppable faith means that we place ourselves in a place where we depend on God, where we take risks for him, even if it takes us to new places. Even if it takes us to new places. And God is calling us to believe him, not just to believe in him, to believe his promises, to trust his provision, to believe him. And he, he doesn't want us stuck where we are. He wants us to move beyond what it is we see now. And some of you need to move beyond what you see now because you're stuck in a marriage where you can only see hurt and only see pain and only see fighting. And God wants you to believe him together so that you can take your marriage to a whole new place. And some of you are dealing with a habit or an addiction and you don't think that you can ever overcome it. And God wants you to believe him and let him help you find a path out of that habit. And yes, as a church, God is inviting us to go beyond what we can see now. He wants us to open the doors that lead to 80,000 square feet of opportunity to touch people. Right now, he is using impact to touch and reach hundreds of people. He is about to use impact to touch and reach thousands, thousands of people. He wants us to build a community center first in Moon and eventually on all of our campuses and people will walk into these centers and they will run and their kids will run and play and they'll just hang out and I believe with all of my heart that as a result of them walking into these community centers eventually they will walk the streets of heaven with us. I believe that. And we need to see beyond what God is doing now to what he will be doing through us when we have community centers all around the Pittsburgh area as we follow him with unstoppable faith now and later. Secondly, unstoppable faith trusts him while waiting. It trusts him while waiting. Look at this passage, verses 11 and 12 from Hebrews 11. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. As I mentioned earlier, God had promised to make a great nation of Abraham, but that required him having a son. And God promised to give Abraham and Sarah a son. Now, here's part of what you don't know. You need to know that Abraham was 75 years old and Sarah was 65 years old when God first made the promise that they would have a son. They were old folks, but they waited. They waited for God to keep his promise, and they waited patiently, and they waited some more, and then they thought, well, maybe we're supposed to do something about this, and so they kind of took things into their own hands. 
And that turned out to be a huge mistake. And so they waited some more. And so 24 years later, yes, 24 years later, when Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah is 89 years old, God makes the promise again. He says, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And he makes it first to Abraham. And when he says to Abraham at 99 years old, Abraham, you're going to have a son, Abraham laughed. Wouldn't you? He laughed. Then God finally put his promise on a timeline and he tells Abraham, you will have a baby by next year. And Sarah is close enough that she's overhearing this. Look what happens next. I'll read from Genesis 18, verses 12 through 14. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my husband, my Lord, is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Both of them laughed, and God reminds them that he can do anything, that he can do this. And when the son is born within the next year, you know what they named him? They named him Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? Laughter. Every time they called their son, they remembered laughing at God's promise that they would have a son. And they remembered that God keeps his promises, that he's faithful to his promises. Actually, I think there was a lot of laughter in the whole situation, don't you? I mean, I think they laughed because they never thought it could happen. And I think they laughed at the idea of people their age, 190, having a baby. And I mean, think about it. When their friends went to the market to buy Depends, they were buying Pampers. Or maybe both, Depends and Pampers. You know, mom and dad were probably eating the same strained baby food that the baby was eating. I mean, think about it. It's kind of a funny situation. This was going to be a very different family. But in this case, their unstoppable faith required believing God while waiting. But God keeps his promises even when we have to wait. Can I ask you, what is it that you've been waiting for? What is it you've been waiting for? Maybe you have been believing God that he would change the heart of your rebellious teenager or that he would provide a new job or that he would provide a spouse or that he would help you forgive or that he would help you with your finances so that you can give like God asks. And you've been ready to give up because it hasn't happened in the time that you thought it should. So you've gotten discouraged and you've been ready to give up. But look back at what God said to Sarah and Abraham. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Let me tell you, nothing is. Nothing is too hard for God. Not forgiving, not fixing your finances, not God drawing your teen back to a right relationship with him, not opening a community center, not even raising $6 million over the next two years is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. 
Now, God is going to need all of us if he's going to do this, but he can do it because even though we may have to wait for a time, God always keeps his promises. And one of his promises, by the way, is that if we will give to him as he asks us to, he will open the windows of heaven and he will flood us with blessings. He promises that. He says, test me in this. Test and see if it's true. He says, if you believe and you obey me in this area, I will open the windows of heaven and pour forth blessings, and you'll have so many blessings that you won't have room enough to contain it. That's his promise. So let me ask you, what promise have you been waiting for God to keep? Or what have you been thinking is too hard for God. Unstoppable faith knows nothing is too hard for God, and unstoppable faith trusts God while waiting. Lastly, unstoppable faith obeys him in difficult ways. Obeys him in difficult ways. Look at verses 17 and 18 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. This is one of the most difficult and disturbing parts of the Bible, in my opinion. It's really disturbing. After Abraham and Sarah had been promised a son, after they had waited 24 years for this son, and after finally that child is born to them, God says to Abraham, now I want you to take that child and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, I want you to climb to the top, and I want you to offer Isaac to me as a sacrifice. Now remember the depth, realize the depth of what God is asking here. I mean, he is asking him, to sacrifice the miracle child. The child of promise. This child is the only hope of God keeping his promise to make Abraham's descendants like the stars in the sky and the sands on the beach. And so is this really what God is asking? It sounds so bizarre. Yet Abraham believed God. He believed God. He believed if God made him follow through with this horrible sacrifice, that God had some plan to fix it. And so again, Abraham immediately obeys God. He and Isaac, who is probably in his early teens at this point, and some men start out and they travel to Mount Moriah at the foot of the mountain, Abraham tells the other men to wait there. And then he takes Isaac and they begin traveling up the mountain. And Isaac notices that they have fire, they have wood. But Isaac says, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And I think Abraham must have choked back tears as he said, God will provide and so they climbed the mountain together. He and Isaac built an altar together. And then Abraham ties up his son, puts him on the altar. He has the knife in his hand. And I want you to know the whole time, 
Abraham was believing God. He was believing God. If you look at the passage in Genesis, he already told the men waiting at the bottom of the hill, you know what he told them? We will go up and worship, and then we will come back. Interesting thing that he told them. Was he just lying when he said that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he was believing God. He believed that God would have a way to fix this. And he didn't know how God was going to fix it. He might have thought through all sorts of different scenarios, but the one thing that he didn't believe, the one thing he couldn't believe, was that God would break his promise. The one thing that never crossed his mind was that God would fail to keep his promise because Abraham believed God. He believed God. And humanly, he can't do what God is asking him to do, but he knew what was true of God. He trusted God, and he trusted God would provide whatever was needed. And so he raised that knife. And Hebrews tells us, by the way, Abraham believed that even if he plunged that knife into Isaac, that God would raise Isaac back from death. Look at what it says in verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So to finish the story, you'll read more of it in your growth group, but Isaac's on the altar and the knife is raised and God calls out, don't harm him. Abraham, don't harm him. And then God says something very interesting, something that you should think through what it means throughout the rest of the scripture because God says, now I know that you will not withhold from me your son, your only son. Have you ever heard that term, only son, before? Look at John 3, 16, maybe. Now I know you will not withhold from me your son, your only son. And then God provided a sacrifice there in the bushes. And um, this taught Abraham, and it teaches us, that God taking us down roads that we can't see the end of, that we can't understand, isn't a one-time thing. It isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifelong journey with him. That's the way that following after God is. God will continue to push us to have faith in him when we don't know the outcome. God is asking, can you go where you don't yet know what's coming, but you trust me because you believe me, you know who I am. What's preventing us from trusting God that way? Is it that we don't actually believe that God will provide what we need? Or is it that we've convinced ourselves that in our day and age, we have a better plan, a better way to do it other than God's way? What's preventing us from trusting God that way? Is it that we don't think he'll provide or we think we have a better way? Unstoppable is not about something that we can do on our own. It's not that you have budgeting skills or that you're frugal or you can find enough places to cut back. You know, you can skip a coffee or something so that you can make enough of a commitment on this card. It's about 
It's, it's not about being generous. It's not about being spiritual. It's none of those things. It's about what happens when we as a church and we as individuals truly trust that God will provide. We truly trust that he can do this, that he can be trusted to provide for us and to help us make huge commitments to him because he can do everything and his plans are unstoppable. It all comes down to whether or not we will do what Abraham did. Will we step out in faith? I want you to hear from someone today who has been around Impact for many, many years, and I want us to listen to her words of encouragement about our faith. Listen to this. My name is Betty Pander, and I've been a member of this church since, I think, 78. I think Impact is a very special place. There are some great uh, people who attend here, people who are the leaders here, and I believe they are walking with the Lord. Little things have happened, open doors to, to get this to, to work. I mean, just some of the things I've heard that the Lord's doing is awesome. I'm excited about the reality of meeting uh, people's needs in the community, those who are unchurched, those who just drive by, on Sunday morning, don't think about church, the younger generations especially, who uh, just don't have any roots in church. Some of the uh, significant spiritual moments for me have been involvement in different ministries. Um, I got involved in missions here, and that was really an eye-opener for me. I saw the reality of uh, relying on Christ trusting him again knowing he's in control and not to, trying to do everything on my power but accepting what he has in store for me i would advise anybody who is struggling with this decision that has some doubts or hesitations to pray first of all about it ask them ask the lord to open their heart to what he would have for them to do you know, we've got to trust our leadership here. They definitely feel that they're doing God's will, and so I trust that that's the case. And so that's probably all I could say is step out and faith. Step out of your comfort zone and uh, believe, because God is unstoppable. I'm Betty, and I want to be unstoppable. I love Betty and Larry and their faithfulness to the, through the years to this church and their willingness to take this unstoppable journey with us. And as Betty says, we need to step out in faith. We need to get out of our comfort zone and we need to believe God. Let me finish by asking you to consider three questions, okay? The first question is this. Why did God choose Abraham instead of others? I mean, why did God ask Abraham to leave his home and his family and go to a mystery place to become the father of the Jewish race and our uh, faith? Why didn't he ask anyone else? I've got a couple of thoughts on that. One is, maybe God saw something in Abraham that he didn't see in anyone else. I mean, he saw that Abraham didn't just believe in him, but Abraham believed him. The second question 
or the second reason that I can think of is maybe he did ask others. Maybe he did ask some other people and they said no. They refused to leave their comfort zone, to go out into uh, the unknown. And uh, they just didn't believe God that much and they didn't obey him. And as a result, they missed the promises and the blessings that God had for them. Second question is this, why did God choose impact instead of others? I mean, it's a similar question, but there are much bigger churches in our area, churches that could turn that building into a community center and an outreach tool without the sacrifice that we have to make to make it happen. Why didn't God choose others? Well, I kind of hope that he saw something in our faith, something in our church, something in our leadership and our willingness to follow him that made him give us this huge opportunity and what a privilege it is that God chose us. But the truth is, maybe he did ask others. And they just weren't willing to take the risk. They weren't willing to follow him to a new place for their church. Maybe there are churches that are going to miss the blessing because they didn't say yes to God when he asked them. The last question for all of us as individuals and as a church, will we, like Abraham, believe God? Will we believe God? I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the blessings I don't want to miss the blessings of God because my faith is weak. I don't want to miss the blessings of God because somehow I've put roadblocks in my faith and I've made my faith stoppable. I don't want that for my own life. I don't want that for our church. And I don't want that weak and struggling faith for you either. I want you to hear unstoppable isn't the church asking for more. God wants more for you. He wants more for you. He wants more of you. And he wants to take you places that you can't imagine, places that you have never been before. The question is, do you believe God? Do you believe his promises? Will you answer his call by trusting him and heading to a place that you can't see, a place that you can't understand? And will you, like Abraham, say yes to God? Why not decide today that you want God to give you an unstoppable faith? And if you don't think you have that unstoppable faith yet, just ask him. Ask him to give you that kind of faith. He will not refuse a sincere request for his help so that you can believe him more. He will not do that. He wants you to believe him and to trust his promises. And so if you're not sure you have that faith yet, let's pray together. And why don't you pray something like this? Will you pray, God, I want to believe you, not just believe in you. I want all of the promises that you have to give me, not just some of the promises. I want all the promises that you have to give me and all the blessings you want to give me. So help me believe that you will provide. Help me believe that your way is the best way. Help me to have an unstoppable faith for you so that you can fulfill your will, so that you can fulfill your promises in my life. Father, we want to trust you fully.
to follow you fully. Father, we will walk with you. We will step out in faith with you. And Father, we believe with all of our heart what your word says, that you can do everything, and that your plans are unstoppable. Father, would you help us to be unstoppable for you? In Jesus' name, amen.